Hey, it's Aaron. PodFest brings together three different conversations from musicians to authors, doctors, environmentalists, or cooks in their own kitchen. These are real people with real stories. PodFest 59, we kick things off with actress Amy Smart. Hey, we're all looking for a great movie to stream, right? How about Among Ravens? That could be the best choice. Then we're stepping up to a real conversation with former professional boxer and all-out motivator, the incredible Andre Ward. Our third conversation is all about the laughs, the unstoppable Arsenio Hall. This is PodFest 59. Hello? Hi, Amy. How are you doing this morning? Hi, great. How are you? Doing very well. Man, I got I to probably cross the line right off the bat. I grew up thinking that Betty Davis had the most incredible eyes ever, and then you appeared on the big screen. How do you what? speak through your eyes? You can deliver a line, and then you can follow the story through your eyes. I think we all say stuff with our eyes. Is there something that you've done in your training that has brought to life where you are physically always aware that there's people on the other side of that screen? Not necessarily. I would say it's more so just being, you know, really invested in and authentic in the character. You know, just like really being committed as an actor in whatever character I'm playing. Your role in Among Ravens, you're playing the part of a college radical. Do you have that in your personality? Yeah, I mean, I think I've definitely had rebelliousness in my life for sure um, that I could relate to. You know, and, and also being in the public eye. I mean, it's a fine line of like, of like, you know, letting yourself kind of letting it, you know, enjoying yourself and everything, but not making a fool of yourself. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. And, and I've, I've been so proud of you for being a part of Heal the Bay and the Environmental Media Association, because that gives you the opportunity to, to, to change what's going on in the world. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's that really my my love for the environment really started as a kid, and um, right out of high school, I started volunteering with Heal the Bay just because I just cared. I just I love nature. I grew up in Topanga Canyon, which I was fortunate to grow up, you know, with coyotes howling at night and lots of nature around. So. Um, I just appreciate it so much, and I want to see it protected. What was it like for you to go from being a California girl up there to that beautiful state of Idaho? Well, I mean, McCall, Idaho is just incredible. I mean, it's just the terrain and the, the lake and the mountains and the, you know, the deer and all the wildlife. It just... I, I could appreciate it. I, I just think that getting back to nature, it's so... Um, it feels just so good, you know, and I feel like people who grow up in cities need to somehow get back to nature somehow because there's nothing like it. There's, I mean, we're up in northern Michigan right now on the lake here, and and it's such a nice change from being in in L.A. Your, your movie is called Among Ravens. I study Native American spirituality. The raven symbolizes oh. magic in the air. And it also says, pay yeah. attention to your dreams, that you're going to go through some moments of synchronicity. Were you were you touched by the animals anyway, or did you feel any messages while in Idaho? Yeah, I mean, I, that's so interesting you say that. I've never, I've never heard somebody... Will you say that again, what you study? You said... The, the raven symbolizes... The yeah, the raven symbolizes magic in the air. It invites you to pay attention to dreams, and the raven in reality is a shapeshifter, and it gives you the opportunity to pay close attention to synchronicity. So what you do is you accept it, mm -hmm. and then and then you grow from it, but you can't question the synchronicity because you're on your path. Mm. Ooh, that's really good. 
I love that because my husband and I have so much synchronicity, and it's like, what, how is that? How is that? possible and I believe in all of it and I don't question it but I do you know (laughs) but yeah as far as the raven uh, we saw so many incredible animals there's there was bears up there deer um, bobcats there was um, tons of obviously like squirrels and birds and lots of lots of wildlife Uh, but as far as like I mean, the raven definitely came in and out of this movie so much, and um, and Heather Ray is Native American, the producer of this, and so she really incorporated a lot of that Native American um, tone to it, as well as the as one of the directors. And and that's the positive message of this movie is that it's very family driven. There is a message. This is you know you also worked with Tyler Perry. This has got to be incredible yeah. for you to be a part of these. Yeah, it it was. I mean, I I really liked working with Tyler Perry. I mean, he he's such a brilliant man. He um, he writes, directs, produces. He's 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 come so far in his life, and he's. He's made such a success of himself, and yet he's he's so humble when you meet him and talk to him. He's so down-to-earth and normal and lovely. So thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. And you're, you're humble, too. And I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to share a conversation about your new movie and everything you're going to be doing. Thank you. And um, thank you for sharing about uh, what you know about ravens. I mean, I knew some of that, but not definitely not all of it with the magic and the synchronicity. So um, and the shape shifting. <laughs> that's that's that's. That's the underlining theme of that of this movie Among Ravens. Fantastic. We need this book. I'm, I'm serious. We need this book because there are a lot of people that are transitioning in life that are connected to an image that is no longer part of their story. And we need a story like mm. this to where we can finally step free like you have. Mm-hmm. Man, I appreciate that. Um, I agree. I agree 100%. And that's what this book is all about. So I'm excited for uh, the world to officially get this book on November 14th. And um, a little scary proposition on my end, putting it all out there like that. But, you know, when you feel fear, you got to go anyway. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you about that fear, because when you put your word on a page, it no longer belongs to you. Now it's more than just a story in a sports magazine. This is your story. This is my story. These are my words. And, you know, it, it got to the point for me where it was becoming selfish mm-hmm. to not share my, my my stories, my pitfalls and what I overcame. And, and that's essentially what this this title is all about. It's like you can live behind that image that you've never done nothing wrong and you haven't overcome nothing and you've always been at this level. But it's more powerful when you can take the time to say, let me take you back to how this started yep. and share my journey with you. Yep, yep. See, when was that planted inside your path? And the reason why I bring that up is because so often we, we wait too late to share the story and we rely on a memory that we're going to rewrite. But yet you're standing up saying, look, this is the way that it was. You can learn from where I've been. 
just think it was timing, you know, everything is timing. And, you know, I knew early on, you know, eight, nine years ago that I wanted to tell my story. I just didn't have the courage to do it. And, you know, the closer I got to retirement, the more that burning desire was coming to the surface and I couldn't deny it. And it, 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 I'm going to be honest with you, you know, it would be a little bit cowardice for me to not share this story and the many stories that are in this book, whether it's family, whether it's my personal stuff, even stuff that I'm going through to this day, it, it was getting to the place where you you have to do it. This is no longer a, a do you want to. And I'm just grateful, man, I answered that call. Um, and again, it was a timing thing, right? Like I never wanted to lead and promote fights with family history and, you know, rags to riches story. We'd heard that story before. Mm-hmm. When I came on the scene in 2004, I was fresh out of all the mess, fresh out of the pit that I had been in for several years. And I just wanted people to embrace me and learn who I was in present day. But at some point, you got to reach back and you got to share the, the total journey with people. You use the word retirement. I call retirement the power of choice. And that's what I feel in this book. This has all been your choice, Andre. It has been. Uh, I'm grateful for that because a lot of people in general and specifically athletes don't get the opportunity to walk away when they want to or have that kind of, you know, uh, control. And even before I really understood what leaving on top meant, meaning that the sport wasn't pushing me out, I was telling the sport goodbye. Um, I'd seen so many fighters throughout the years not be able to do that, have this arc where they came from nothing, they made it into something, and then all of a sudden I see the sport just dismissing them because they're too old or they no longer have it. I just didn't want that to be my story. Mm -hmm. So I studied guys like Jim Brown and how he walked away, Barry Sanders, Napoleon Kaufman, my pastor. I looked at these things and said, man, I like this, man, how they did it, and I want to do the same thing too. I was going to say none of those guys were afraid to share their journey because they know they lived it and it doesn't belong to them it belongs to tomorrow amen i agree so what do you do in those situations where i'm I'm a third degree black belt i've been in many many tournaments where i'm inside that ring but there's still that side of me inside the heart that's going i want to get back in there but you know you can't do it how do you face that moment of i used to be it's tough yes it's tough because my I, i think when i'm 60 I'm going to still believe if I got a good enough training camp and if I have enough time, I could probably go in there and beat some of these young guys. <laughs> that switch is not turning on. Um, so sometimes I'm reminded from my wife that you remember how you were feeling when you retired? You remember how your body felt and with all the things you were saying? I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, you know, my pastor may remind me, hey, man, don't don't mess up what God did. Don't mess up your legacy trying to chase something that's no longer there. So reminders like that. Or, you know, I get up and I start hearing my knees and my, my ankles popping and clicking. Sometimes that's all the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I, I can feel that even as we speak. Now let's let's talk about oh, yeah. what you what you've got here. The champion's journey of faith, fighting, and forgiveness. Forgiveness is number three. I love that faith is number one. The fight. Now a lot of people want to run away from the fight. You did not. Man, fighting has been, you know, a metaphor for my life, you know, whether it's in my personal life or in the ring. And Here's the thing, you know, people think that like fighting is just for violent people. No, no, life is a fight. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. We all are going to have to face things. We all are going to have to overcome things. And when you overcome, you're fighting. It's a form of fighting. It's a form of, you know, digging your heels in the ground. Me, I pull on my faith in God. I I, 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 I draw back on the past victories. And, and I remind myself that, man, if I could do it, then I could do this. I can overcome this as well. That is a form of a fight. So whether you think you're a fighter or not, we all got to learn how to fight when it's time to fight. Now we shouldn't be fighting every day, yeah. but there's times in our lives where we got to, we got to put our, our metaphoric gloves on man. And we got to be willing to face a situation and fight our way through until we get to the other side. This book is so much what Stephen Furtick was talking about at Elevation Church this past week. He was talking about walking with a limp. We all have a limp, but what you've done, you may have that limp. You may be older than what you once were, but you are still living in the light. And I love that about about this book what people got to understand is that is the lion with the most scars yeah. hunts the bed i'm in the wild give me that give me that lion right there that's been through some things that young lion right there he doesn't know too much but that lion that's got a scar down the side of his face and on his side he's been through some things and he overcame i'm following him Oh, yeah. And being in that ring, I mean, even when you're walking through an everyday world with the public around you, it's amazing how your eyes are still trained on how to move and how to get through. It's, it, that, that's not going to go anywhere. That, that's <laughs> just that's just how I'm hardwired. And um, no matter what arena I'm in in life, I'm still applying those same principles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where can people go, Andre, to find out more about your journey? Because they're, they're going to get the book and they're going to go, what? I got to read about this guy. Man, you can go to my social media, Andre SOG Ward. You can go to Twitter at Andre Ward. Um, and I'm pretty active on those on those uh those networks. And um, or you can just hit Google because there's a lot of information about there on me and, and what I'm doing uh, uh present day. And um, you know, I'm 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 in ministry, you know, I'm speaking is one of my and I go to colleges, I go to churches, and that's just something that uh, that, that I'm very passionate about and a gift that God gave me. So I may be at a college or a church near you sometime soon. Oh, God has blessed you so well, man, so well. Thank you. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you for the time. This was great. Will you be brilliant today, okay, sir? I got you, brother. <laughs> We are unplugged and totally uncut with Arsenio Hall. Hey, Aro. How are you doing, Arsenio? Pleasure, sir. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing just great. It's early, but I'm good. <laughs> this, this, this is that time where you can you can get that radio voice and walk around the house going Q95.7. Absolutely. When you're not a radio person, this is when you get up and do your your voicemail on your iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, otherwise you gotta you gotta make a deal with the devil and hire Rick Dees or something. <laughs> you are the world's greatest interviewer, and I've always wanted to know how do you look beyond the question and locate the arrival of the acceptable answer? Wow, you know, first of all, I try not to look ahead. And as cool a phrasing as that was, when I look ahead, I sometimes miss the opportunity for a follow-up question. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's it's almost like in law, like when you're in, the, I'm watching this OJ thing again, okay? <laughs> when you're watching something like that, you realize the lawyer should always know the answer before he asked the question. But I think in interviewing, you gotta remember to forget the answer and pay attention. 
get me. It's, it's like a favorite song because you yeah. you remember the lyric and then you react to it. There you go. Because I, I, I think you got to try to stay in the moment. That's important, whether it's an interview or just a philosophy towards living. I find that, like, like there are times when I don't feel right and, and I don't know what's wrong with me. And I realize I'm not living in the moment because if I'm thinking about the future or the past, I'm not enjoying life and, and, and I'm worrying about something I can't control. Enjoy the moment. That's so interesting you bring that up because just last night I did a lecture at a university and, and I, I talked to him about I am blank. And this is blank. And that's how you get in the now by filling in that blank. Hey, I like that. I, <laughs> I like that. You, you, what were you speaking last night? I was speaking at a broadcasting school last night. You know, to get those imaginations going because it's a digital platform age. And if we don't get those those adults moving forward, then then it's going to be taken over by big business and creative minds aren't going to be able to be heard. I, I love the fact that you and I are having this really cool conversation and people are going to come out to see me in Charlotte and I'm going to do 20 minutes on fellatio. And they're going to be like, it's not what I expected. This is not what I wanted. <laughs> your, your energy on stage is just, you are a rock star, aren't you? Did you grow up watching rock stars? You, you know what? It's it's it's. Hey, thank you, because I, I, I think that's a compliment. But you know what's interesting? I was a son of a Baptist preacher, so I grew up sitting, like watching my dad deal with the congregation holding that microphone. And and you know what? I get to kind of do what he does without having a tremendous commitment and being that great a guy. You know, because theology is a hell of a commitment. But the bottom line is that's who I watch. I my energy, my movement. When I watch my on stage doing stand-up. I'm my father without the Bible. <laughs> so it's not what you say, it's how you say it that's changing people's lives. Well, yeah, that's true, dude. That's true. I, I, and I love making people laugh. I mean, the bottom line is... I, I walk into clubs. Me and George Lopez and D.L. Hughley went to a club the other night and just went on and each did 20 minutes. I do what I think I was put on earth to do. I do what I love. When you go someplace, because I know I got friends who are incredible lawyers and accountants. I have a wonderful best friend who's a doctor, but he never goes to uh, check up on somebody and, 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 and ask you to cough, you know, while he's putting his hand in a <laughs> private place when he He's not paid for it when it's not an appointment. No, you know, no, no painter goes and just does somebody's woodwork just for the hell of it. I walk in clubs with friends and and just go on stage because I love to make people laugh and to be good at something. You got to do it. You got to really do it. You got to put those 10,000 plus hours in. See that that's the profit coming out in you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Because you're, so. you're leading people to a place because, I mean, I mean, look, at there's, there's so many different types of medicine we could be taking right now, but laughter is still the is still the best healer. Yeah, and, and you know what? I remember as a kid, you hear those stories, and you don't know they're true until you become an adult, but you hear those stories as a kid about about people um, doing research. Uh, was it Norman Cousins that did the famous one? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, just, just saying that people who had laughter healed better, diseases went away, and things of that nature. Well, I don't know if it's true, and it's probably not science, but it's not going to hurt us to laugh more, especially in this world we're living in. Hey, we, we're about to experience President Trump. Y'all better laugh and <laughs> try to get through this, you know. And, and, and by the way, 
if you black, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Black Awareness Month because if Trump become president, it ain't going to be around next year. Trump's going to get rid of As a matter of fact, Trump might build a wall around February. Because so, <laughs> you, you know those hats make America great again. America is great right now. Those hats mean make America white again. You know what those damn hats mean. <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost like we have a curse because we were making fun of that mayor up there in Toronto last year. And all of a sudden we're going, uh-oh, it's going to happen to us now. You know, I forgot about that guy. You're right, the, the mayor that would do crack and stuff. Yeah, the, Donald Trump, you know, sometimes he gets he gets off on a tangent with Megyn Kelly, and I wonder if there's not some crack involved. <laughs> Gee, it's, it's crazy. We had a crazy time, but very entertaining. <laughs> but don't you agree that comedians, though, are more in touch with people than the politicians? Yeah, you know what? I not only believe that's true, but the other day I was thinking about how Donald Trump insulted Senator McCain. Yep. And I'm thinking, what guy who wants to be president would do something like that? And it dawned on me the exact wording of how he insulted McCain and did that thing about him not being a hero. That's an old Chris Rock joke from a Chris Rock special. Really? And you realize that even to touch the common man and end up in first place running in the GOP battle, Donald Trump took Chris Rock material to relate to the people. <laughs> and, well, hey, if, and, and people who are listening who don't believe me, Google Chris Rock John McCain hero joke. Exactly what Donald Trump said, because here's the deal. For entertainment, you're supposed to make people think. You're supposed to sometimes make people uncomfortable. Comics do that. But we just don't expect a president doing Chris Rock material. And that's that's a, a perfect microcosm for what we're going through. The guy is very entertaining, but, you know, I'll vote for Julie Chin if I want an entertaining host. <laughs> now, weren't you on Celebrity Apprentice? I won Celebrity Apprentice. I'm the first, I not only won Celebrity Apprentice, but I was the first black person to win Celebrity Apprentice. I'm actually the Jackie Robinson of Celebrity Apprentice. But, and, and don't get me wrong, Donald Trump is fun to hang around with. Um, Eddie Murphy's fun to hang around with, but he can't be our president. I'm not voting for the Murphy <laughs> ticket, okay? <laughs> it's just, it's just putting, putting things in their proper place. When, when you create so much laughter in a club, do you stand back in the corners and watch people walk out holding their stomachs because you made them laugh so hard? You, you know what? It's like like these days we have Twitter, and when you go on Twitter after a show, yeah. and you hear some people, hear some people. You when you read that some people are riding home, laughing, talking about laughing, say, saying something about a subject you broached. I I, I love that. I, 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 lo I love that you get to take a little bit of me home. And if you can smile the next day because you think about what I said about a woman's feet, <laughs> I feel I've done my job. <laughs> your, your connection to people has, has always been just an open platform. You, you are a painter who, who creates pictures. Yeah, you know, um, I when I, I used to watch comics, there are comics who are famous for storytelling, like Bill Cosby and, and you know, Louis Anderson, when I was coming up, was, was a wonderful storyteller. And that's what they do. You know, they, they create this picture and make you remember a painting that maybe you've seen, but you forgot to laugh at. And um, I, I love being able to do that, and I love the, the master's 
who, who do who do that really well. You 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 know you're painting a picture. And, and I remember Richard Fryer was joking one time because there was a, a guy at the comedy store who used to say, like when he would die on stage, he would say, "Hey, you you, you I, I guess you had to be there." And I remember <laughs> sitting next to Richard Fryer one time, and Richard said, "If I had to be there, why well, I need your ass?" <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true, you know. We have to draw that picture, and if we don't, we have failed. You shouldn't have to be there to see that photo. Arsenio Hall is at the Comedy Zone Friday and Saturday night, the 8th and the 9th. I hope you enjoy Charlotte when you get here, sir. Oh, I'm going to have a good time, and I have relatives there, so... I absolutely am looking forward to coming for the first time. I'm getting ready to blow the zone up. It's going to be good. And, man, we are the home of the Carolina Panthers and in the NBA playoffs, those Charlotte Hornets, mister. Hey, if you look on, if, if, you know what? I'm a Panther fan. We don't have a football team here in L.A., <laughs> and, and I'm born in Cleveland, so uh, it's hard to be a Cleveland fan, even though I am. It's very complicated. But if you, hey, if you look on my Instagram, I think there is a picture of me in a Panther visor. So I'm coming to Charlotte, and I already have my attire. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us on iHeartRadio. Hey, dude, I appreciate your heart. I heart. We heart. No, dude, thanks for letting me talk to your audience. I, I, I appreciate it.